you that we can praise you. You allow us to do that. What a blessing. Uh, may, you be, may you be blessed by our praise lifted up to you. think it was really good, then you come back this afternoon and you'll get more of it, all right? Really good. Okay, so uh, you heard Monty's heart as he prayed today, and uh, you, you may not know this, but Monty has been an educator and a coach. He understands that whole school thing, all right? I don't know, for 42 years, 92 years, however many it's been. Um, and you heard his heart. I love that money. Just brought it from his heart. Knows what it's like to be there in the trenches. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. All right. So, do you know me? <laughs> We're having a little bit of fun with this. I am at least. I think you probably are too, getting to know some people. Maybe you haven't got to know very well yet. So uh, here's the list. Epaphras, Jethro, Naaman's wife's maid, Jabez, Shipra, Pua, Baruch, Josiah, Mephibosheth, Priscilla, Aquila, Jairus, the second book of Acts, Joanna, and Archippus. And I give those all to you again so I can remember how to pronounce their names. All right. <laughs> I look at them even this morning. Going, I hope I can pronounce these right today. So, uh, and it's been good. I, I'm enjoying it. Learning a lot about some people that I didn't know much about either. We've been talking also about the taking the next step. You know, we worked really hard on that as Johnny did that and Phil did that. And they, they encourage you to take that next step. And remember, you filled out that connection card to let us know what that next step is going to be for you. Or when you're praying about that next step, what is it the Lord wants me to do? Because that's, that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a person that just obediently takes the next step with Jesus. No matter how small, no matter how big it is, it doesn't matter. Whatever God says, this is what I want you to do. A disciple does those things, and that's the mark of a disciple and the discipleship taking place. Because we want everybody in, all in. We're working really hard about that. And I think you're going to see as we talk about Tychicus today, however you pronounce his name, that's what's going for me. Tychicus today, I think you're going to see that he was all in. All in, as we look at the five passages very briefly of where he's mentioned in Scripture. You follow him, and what do you do? And you think about putting it together. You'll see, man, this guy was all in for Jesus, doing what God wanted him to do, no matter what it took to be able to do that. So, you got a Bible? I'm not going to put these scriptures up on the screen because I'm going to ask you to look in your Bible, your tablet, your telephone, whatever you use. And uh, we're going to look at these passages and put some things together that I think will be encouraging to you and also will challenge you to take that next step uh, like Tychicus did. So we start out in Acts chapter 4, and uh, we'll read just two, 2 through 6, a little bit of context to go along with this. Excuse me just a moment here. My nose is running. Could you catch it? Going out the door. You'll get that one pretty soon. All right. Acts chapter 4. Verse 2, we're going to start right there. Well, we can start in verse 1. Uh, not, too, not too big a deal. I mean, Acts 20, I'm sorry. I turned to Acts 4, and 
Hello, wake up, Scott. Time to be awake. Acts chapter 20, verses, uh, let's start with one. I have two through six, but you have to get the context. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for his disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through these regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Peter, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, and Derby, and Timothy, I can get that name, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. That's a city or place. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So that's our first introduction to Tychicus. All right, so now we go to Ephesians 6. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Girls eat potato chips, right? Guys eat potato chips, GE Power Company. Right, whatever it takes to memorize, you know where they're at. A little bit of mnemonic help. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, he's mentioned again in verse 21 and 22. As Paul gives his final greetings to the believers at the Ephesians, the Ephesus church, the church at Ephesus. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that may, he may encourage your hearts. All right, two books over, right? It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Verses 7 through 9, his final greetings again to the believers here in the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. All right. Now to Titus, verses 2 Thessalonians, verses 2 Timothy, Titus. Titus chapter 3, verse 12. Again, just a few books over. 2 Thessalonians, 2 Timothy, Titus, not me. Verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. And then the last one is in 2 Timothy, so we're going to go back to the left. Back a book. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 11, he mentions a number of uh, different ministry partners here. But verse 11, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent Ephesus. That kind of rhymes. Tychicus, I have sent Ephesus. Huh? All right. I'm sure it's not that way in the Greek, but in the English, it kind of has a little bit of rhyming to it, right? All right. So, the thing.
think about some of those passages when we don't. I've wondered this. I don't know. It's just my my craziness. I'm wondering if Tychicus and Trophimus were twin brothers or twin brothers or something like that. They got the same kind of last I don't know. You think about that a moment, okay? Tychicus and Trophimus could be twin brothers, or they're brothers, maybe. Um, I'm thinking about this when I think about Paul mentioning Tychicus in Ephesians and Colossians. The way he writes it, it's obvious that Tychicus was with him when he was in, when he was writing these letters. As you read through it, you'll see. He's, he's going to tell you everything that's happened here. He was with him during that time that he was writing those letters. And then know this, as we read through this kind of progression from Acts 20, okay, Acts giving a history of the church, we read through it, we know about Ephesians, we know about Colossians, and then we go to Titus, and we read there, and 2 Timothy is probably the last book written by Paul. We know as we put all that together, just thinking through, the fact is, Paul... Antichicus have been ministry partners for a number of years. Not just, you know, all of a sudden we just kind of got together. No, they've been ministry partners for a number of years, gathering together and working with one another. And we'll get more into that, obviously, as we go through this. But So we look at these five passages, and, and I think that it, it's helpful that this is going to give you what I got out of them as I put it together, and for you to make application and take whatever the next steps the Lord has you process what we come up with. Here's the first thing that comes to my mind. Both in Ephesians chapter 6 and in Colossians chapter 4, they both reference this brother description. It says in Ephesians chapter 12, the beloved brethren, and in Colossians chapter 4, he identifies him and he says, he is a beloved brother. Now, we know that when, when this phrase is used, this is a very personal, this is a very spiritual description of who he is. To call him his brother is very personal. And it's a spiritual description, as you know. You know this, that in Christ, we are all a part of his family. Amen? In Christ, we are all a part of God's family. You've heard this said. We are all God's children. Matter of fact, I saw it written on a note just a few weeks ago something to that effect. We are all God's children. But I'm here to tell you that's not accurate. That's not true. This is true. We are all God's creation. But we're not all God's children. Now here's how I know that. Because it says in John chapter 1 verse 11, it says he came to his own but his own did not receive him. And then it goes on in the rest. He goes this. But to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I'm not trying to, to put down what people say. I mean, just don't, it's not true, and it's not accurate. We are not all God's children. Only those who have made Christ a part of their life are God's children. We're all God's creation. God has made us, put life into us. Yes, definitely. But we're only God's children when we receive Him, when we invite Christ into our lives. Then we become a part of His family, and therefore we become brothers and sisters together. 
Amen? Yeah. Again, it's, it's not trying to be critical. It's just trying to be accurate. Here's the accurate thing. But to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you a part of the family of God? If you're not, I invite you to become a part of the family of God with me. As simple as the ABCs, and as difficult as it is to humble yourself and say, this is what I need to do. But the ABCs, what? A, admit to God that you're a sinner. But we all are. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 3.3. That sin has separated us from a holy God. And he wants a relationship with us. And that's why he sent his son Jesus. To die on the cross, to rise again on the third day, on our behalf, to take our sin upon himself. To bear our sin and bear our burdens and our iniquities and our trespasses on himself. Because he could do that because he is perfect. And he did not sin. And we needed that perfect sin bearer, the spotless Lamb of God, to bear our sins for us. And so he says, we admit to God we're a sinner, and then we believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, and that he came and he gave his life for us. It's true. It's right here. You can read about it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it's the story all the way through the Old Testament that there's going to be a Redeemer. There's going to be one to be able to fully take our sins and fully forgive us of our sins. We're pushing toward that. And then we look back and we see what Jesus has done for us. We admit to God we're a sinner, and God loves us so much that he sent his Son. And we believe, we receive him as John 1.12. But as many as received him to those who believed in the name, and his name, and who he is, and what he's done for us, they will become children of God. And to do that, we confess our faith in him. We commit ourselves to him. We make a choice for God to be a part of our life, for Jesus to be a part of our life. If you've never made that decision, Today's a great day to make that decision. Today is the day of salvation, Paul says. You can just offer a prayer right now. Father in heaven, I know that you love me, and I know that my sin has separated me from you. And I believe that you came for me. And I want to open my life to you. I want to give you my heart. I want you to be my Savior, so that I can have a relationship part of your family. I could be a part of God's family now because we're brothers and sisters. I could just pray that prayer and mean it with your heart. Confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Paul says you will be saved. If you made that decision today, would you come and talk to me? Fill out the card. Burn frost on the left. Deep and 
brothers and sisters in Christ. We know that. But, but who are your beloved brothers and sisters? And who would say of you that you are a beloved brother and sister? We're brothers, but, but beloved, close. We have this relationship together in Christ that brings us together. We can depend on one another. We can encourage one another. We can help one another. Let's do that with each other. As we develop these relationships, as we grow in these relationships, that they would become close. And we see God's work in our lives. So that we could say of someone or someone, Second thing is, I see that be a faithful minister. We broached this subject when we talked about Archippus a couple weeks ago. But I remind you this, that all believers are ministers for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are sent to help people know Jesus and to help them grow with Jesus. All of us in that way. We're all ministers of the gospel and what God has done. We've been sent. You ever heard that around here? We've been sent, right, to make disciples of all nations as Jesus commands the disciples and commands us in Matthew 28, 19, what? Go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations. As we're going, it's the picture here. As we're going, as we're living life, here's our responsibility. Here's our job. Here's what he calls us to do and sends us to do that. He talks about that also in Acts chapter 1-8. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power, right? And then you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In our neighborhood, in the surrounding area, and to the world, as we have the Spirit's power in us. Monty mentioned that in his prayer this morning. The Spirit is within us. Help us to live that way, with that power, and what He's done for us so that we can be our witnesses in our neighborhood, the places of our sphere of influence around us. That's called the what? The Great Commission. Yeah, the Great Commission, what God has commissioned us to be able to do. But you know this, as we faithfully obey the Great Commission, we'll do this. We'll also faithfully obey the Great Commandment. Get that? When we faithfully obey the Great Commission, we'll faithfully obey the Great Commandment, which is what? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. The Great Commission, the Great Commandment. Listen, when we faithfully obey the Great Commandment, we'll be obeying the Great Commission, right? I don't know what kind of philosophical thing that is. You know, A equals B, B equals D, whatever it is, right? Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. So as we obey the Great Commission... We'll be obeying the great commandments. Obeying the great commandment, loving God and loving others, we'll be obeying what God wants us to do in this great commission. Majestic, we put those together and we have our mission statement. It's found on the front of your bulletin. I know you've got it memorized. You say it the night before you go to bed. You say amen, right? Living for Jesus, loving people, making disciples, changing the world. So if you ever hear us say, say LMMC, that's what we're talking about. That this is what we're called to do. This is the great commission, the great commandment put together that we would 
live for Jesus, love people, make disciples, and change the world. He's going to change the world through us. That's his job, right? But that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about. Now, we all want to be faithful ministers, sent ones, right? No, okay, no, we do. Okay, let me ask that question again. Do we all want to be faithful ministers, sent ones? Yes, that's why you're here, okay? Now, I know this too, and I came up with this. I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever doing it, but I, I want to make sure that you also participate in Jesus' great commendation. I made this up. I've never heard anybody give it. And I think it's really good. You know what that is? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. As we obey the great commandment, as we obey the great commission, the great commission, the great commandment, we will get the Lord's great commendation. Yeah, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We all want that someday. We don't want to just slide into heaven and look at us and go, well, you made it by the skin of your teeth. Glad you're here. Go down there. There's some apartments down there, right? No, we want to walk into heaven and him say to us, look at us and go, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here's your mansion over here. Here's your reward. There are going to be rewards there. He talks about that. It's all right. Take advantage of that. Earn it. Man, I want to. I wanted to say heartfelt thanks. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We will. As we all obey the great commission and the great command, we'll get his great commendation. I have to be careful because I was going to say condemnation. No, not, not that. His commendation, right? Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So how are you? Are you faithfully, how am I faithfully obeying his commission and his commandments of giving commendation? That'll be a great day. Great day. What's that next step that you need to take, that I need to take? To obey that commission and obey that commandment so that somebody can say of, of you and me, well done. Well done. Use your gifts well. Use what I gave you well. You use your spiritual gifts. You use your heart, ability, personality, experience, your shape. You used it well for me. Yeah. Good job. Proud of you. Let's celebrate. Third, I see Tychicus encourages us to be a purposeful encourager. To be a purposeful encourager. Here's where I get it. Ephesians chapter 6, 22. Paul says, I have sent him to you that he may encourage your hearts. Colossians 4, 8. I have sent him to you that he may encourage your hearts. And he's making a point to both of these churches, right? This is why he's coming. Paul sent Tychicus to the believers in the church in Ephesus and Colossae for a purpose, right? First, to inform them about what's taken place, and when he informs them, to encourage their hearts, to be an encourager. You ever heard of that guy named Barnabas? In Acts chapter 4, what's his name mean? Son of encouragement, right? Tychicus is a Barnabas. 
He's going in. He's going to do what Paul's asking him to go to these churches, tell them what's taking place, tell them the good things that are taking place, what God's doing. And I want him, as he shares that with you, to encourage your hearts. To help you be lifted up and strengthened in the walk with Jesus. And you know this, how much better it is to be with people who are encouragers than discouragers, right? (laughs) How much better it is to be with people who are encouragers rather than discouragers. To be balcony people. To be balcony people rather than basement people. Joyce Landorf said years ago. Cheering people on, helping them to grow, coming alongside them, praying for them, hugging them, being a part of their lives, and helping them to grow. You can do it. Clap and cheer. Yes. Woohoo. I've been chosen to clap and cheer. Little Jamie Scott, the illustration I gave you of our chipping. <sighs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider. It's the lettuce passage. Okay, because it says lettuce about three or four times in this. I mean, that's the salad passage, right? Let us, let us stir up one another so that we get mad at each other. No, let us stir up one another to love and good works or good deeds. And let us gather together together to be together, not forsake the assembling together of ourselves, it says in some of the versions. As is the habit of some. Oh, it must have been hard right really a hard time for a pastor to write those words, too, of his congregation sometimes. But it's the habit of some just not together. Eh, come when I want to. You were, you know, it's convenient today. I'll be here. Thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. But let us gather together, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as the habit of some. But while we're gathering together, do what? Encourage one another. Because the day is drawing near. The day of Christ is returned, coming back. It's drawing near. It's close. It's getting closer. Yay! Come on, it'd be great today, right? But while we're here, while we're gathering together, encourage one another. Be a part of each other's lives as beloved brothers and sisters. Care for them. And I encourage you, come faithfully. And then faithfully come to church as a faithful encourager. Your presence on Sunday is such an encouragement to me. You know what? It's an encouragement to the people around you. Do you like empty seats? I don't. I'd love to have people sitting in those seats. Wouldn't you? I mean, as long as we got the opportunity. It'd be great to have people in those seats. And where are the people? Keep coming. You know those seats in Sunday school and go around those tables? Let's fill them up. It's an encouragement to your teachers. 21 people are there, and when you can seat 21, man, that's really encouraging. Let's go find some more chairs, man. That's a fun Sunday school class. Love when that happens. But while we're there, be an encourager. Be an encourager. Looking for that person that needs prayer. Look for that person that just maybe needs just somebody to sit next to. It's pretty lonely sometimes when you come into worship service and you're all by yourself. Just get close. Maybe not sit next to them, but maybe a scoot away, say hi. 
question of them. Maybe ask them how long they've been here. Well, I've been here 20 years. Great. And then we, <laughs> it's all right. Can't remember their name? Ask it again. unload boxes. <laughs> Just those little things that say to a person, you're valuable. You're important. I'm glad you're here. You say, well, they don't say that to me. doesn't matter, does it? We're not here worried about whether they take care of us. It's our job to be a faithful encourager like Tychicus, like Barnabas. I always say this. Come to church with an Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do today when I come? Who do you want me to connect with and talk with? He'll tell you. He'll show you. I write them down on my little prayer list in the morning every time. I have my quiet time. Okay, Lord, this is who I need to contact today. This is who I need to be a part of their lives. Do that. Come with that purpose. Come with that agenda. God, I know you want me to reach out to this person and be a part of their lives. I'm going to be looking for them. I'm going to invite him into my life. There's a great little illustration of that as we open windows on Fridays. This is a plug, advertisement. They're still out there. Good way to take a little bit of time for the Word of God. I know you got other things too, but again, I got a couple illustrations. Let's see here. Last Friday. This lady's a good writer. I really like her. They write for like 10 days each. I'm like, she's a good writer. Even from three rows behind him, I felt his pain. As the youth leader told of the upcoming camp, I saw Joey's face ignite with excitement. Then after the price was told, the fire was gone. Out of his reach, right? Sadly, I understood the reason for his despair. His family was in the midst of financial difficulties due to his dad's health problems. Joey knew their budget wouldn't allow There will always be those who have less than others. May we never place material gain above the needs of others. And may we always treat others with the same love, concern, respect, and honor that God has for us. Back to Joey. She's a good writer. Quickly after the service, I made my way to the youth meeting. Hey, Joey's camp. Remarkably, I was lighter on my feet than I had been in a long time. You're not bragging. She's just telling the truth. She's just telling the truth. I had that kind of same thought that I wrote down. If you do, and you come with a purpose, and you meet the people, you, you will leave in better spirits than you arrived. <laughs> I think what it does, when we, we encourage somebody, guess what? It encourages me too. Going to, and as you do that, you're going to encourage their 
heart, you see, that'll be wonderful. We see that walking people out today, as you leave today, people with big smiles because somebody encouraged their heart. And you'll be encouraged in that. You'll be lighter on your feet than what you were yesterday. All right, you still with me? All right, fourthly, be a fellow servant. Now here's what I'm getting at. Not just an independent servant. It's right to serve the Lord by ourselves, right? But he says of Tychicus, he's a fellow servant. That means they're together. They're working together. What that means, what that word communicates to me. Serving with his brothers, sisters, or brother and sisters in Christ. And in that, we talk a lot about servanthood, of course. In that, let's just pattern our lives after Jesus, right? Who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus had a purpose. He had an agenda when he came to this earth. And he put on skin, the incarnation. His purpose was to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Not to be just a teacher. Yes, he was a great teacher. But that's not why he came came and used that platform so that he could give his life for us and die on the cross for us, rise again on the third day. And that, the greatest serve that ever took place. We talk about it in Philippians in that beautiful, probably old hymn that was there for them, Philippians chapter 2, when it says of him, he, he took the form of a servant, laying aside, he emptied himself, but taking the form of a servant that he did what? He humbled himself. That's a servant example. God himself coming to the earth. Relinquish the rights of his divinity. Still fully God. Fully man. But, but relinquish those rights to say, God, I'm going to follow you, my father. I'm going to follow your direction. And we don't quite understand how that works. But that's what it says of him. I'm going to follow what you want me to do. I'm going to humble myself to you. I'm going to be a servant to what you have for me. Beautiful. And then maybe just to serve others as Paul challenges us in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 16. Right in there. As God's chosen ones, holy and what? Beloved. Beloved, endearing, close, part of each other's life. Do what? Put on, put on. Help me. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. And above all these, chapter 3.12, the main verse, clothe yourself with compassion. <laughs> okay, Lord, I get it. I wrote this the other day, and here it is, this morning, I didn't go ahead. 
find out what the stories are here. God, as I see pain and need, loving God, soften my heart to act as a light for my A fellow servant, right? A fellow servant. Anybody happen to pray for their kids today? Right here. What's number 24, John? A servant's heart. <laughs> today, if you prayed this, encourage you to do it. Pray for your kiddos and grandkids. Today was a servant's heart. I don't make this stuff up, folks. <laughs> I don't make it up. This is what God does. Today we talk about a fellow servant. We're praying for our kiddos and our kids. As I prayed this morning for mine that they would be servants. God, please help my children develop a servant's heart. Servant's heart. That they may serve wholeheartedly as if they were serving the Lord, not men. And back there in the back, there's a track back. Another coat. Grab one. Pray for your kiddos and your grandkids yourself. That way that we would be fellow servants. So, my question, if I do, how are you serving as a fellow servant? Not independently. We can do that, of course. But how are we working together with the team? It's amazing just seeing that all these people that Paul was working with, these various churches, working together for the cause and the glory of Jesus Christ. You see, you couldn't, we, we can't do it without them. I can't do it without you. You can't do it without me. We need each other because we're better together. We'll be better together when we do the chairs at the end of the second service. When we empty that trailer at the end of the service. We're better together because, you know, we can bring food together for the meal this afternoon. And we'll be better together because we'll see people from other churches in our area who are doing the same thing. They're wanting to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. And we can be an encouragement to them. As you come today, I know you don't know some of those people. Just, just mosey on up to us. It's our house. We're the ones that should be friendly. We're the ones that should be reaching out to those who are here. Just to love on them and say, hey, glad you're here. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. Man, I'm glad we get to work together as a Lower Gorge Baptist Association. Or as Colorado Baptist, if somebody has on their shirt today. That's what we get to do together. That's the importance, the value of our association working together. We have some great things that are taking place. I hope you'll come and join us for that. Last thing is this. Be a trusted teammate. And this really hit me as I was going through this, looking at this passage. The other things stand out really big time. The, the word trust is not in here. The teamwork thought certainly is, as a fellow servant, as beloved brothers and sisters, right? Okay, I understand that. But, but this really hit me. And, and so I, I say this to you. Tychicus had to be one of Paul's most valuable teammates. I mean, he gets five mentions in five books. That's a lot. Of all the people, five mentions, Acts, all the ones that we went through, Ephesians, Colossians, Titus, and Timothy, five mentions in five books. He must have been a very valuable teammate. And, and think about all the teammates he mentioned. You got all that list that's in Acts chapter 20. Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Timothy, Trophimus, his twin brother, Onesimus, Artemis. And then he's going to go to Crete, and he's going to serve Timothy, who's the pastor there. I mean, that's, that's, that's a teammate. That's a lot of people. 
that Paul mentions, and that's just one. That's just some of the people. We know, go through Romans chapter 16, and at the end of the books, you see a number of other people. And think about it. Think about all these people. <laughs> they all got their quirks. They all got their personalities. They all got their stuff. That, you know, makes them maybe just a little bit sometimes, you know, edgy, hard to work with. Uh, you know, nothing like, like you or me. You know, we never have those things that come out, right? <laughs> yeah, we all got them. We all got that stuff that, that sometimes just, oh, my goodness, you know, that pastor's got guy. Come on, just let it go, okay? You know, we all got that stuff. And they work together. Not perfectly. We know, you know, Mark and Paul had a little issue, but what did it say back in Second Timothy? Let Mark come. He's valuable to me. They work through it. But the one thing, as I said, that really stood out to me was this aspect of trust that Paul had with Tychicus. He sent Tychicus to tell the Ephesian and Colossian church, the Ephesus church, Colossian church, is very important news regarding his life and He's a trusted guy. I trust you to take and to tell them what's taking place with me. And as you do that, you'll be an encouragement to their hearts. Here, Ephesians chapter 6, he says this. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and to encourage your hearts. That's a trusted person. I want you to take what's taking place. I'm sending you. Remember, he's not texting. He's not emailing. He's not calling on the phone. I'm sending him to you, however many miles it is, 100 miles, 200 miles. I'm sending him to you. I want him to tell you how things are going and how I'm doing. I trust him to do a good job. Colossians. He will tell you all about my activities. He will tell you how we are. They will tell you of everything that has taken place. I trust these guys to take what's taking place, the work of God, and to tell you about it and encourage your hearts. In Titus, when I send him to you, when I send him to you, I trust him, I'm going to send him to you. 2 Timothy 4, I have sent him to Ephesus. He's carrying what I want him to carry because I trust him because he's a trusted teammate. And I believe he can communicate to you and encourage your hearts. Man, I, I see this in this. He trusts him. What a place to be in our life. Johnny Dashwood gave me this illustration, this next slide. It says this. Let your life and actions, not your words, prove you're trustworthy. Now, I would edit that. And I'd put it this way. Let your life and actions, not just your words. It's, it's fine as we put it together as brothers. Prove that you're trustworthy. I mean, we all know that. Our words and what we do communicate whether we're trustworthy or not. If I say I'm going to do something and I don't do it, then I've lost trust and I have to rebuild that trust because trust is based on truth. My wife got that one. <laughs> trust is based on truth. If I don't do what I say I'm going to do, then I'm going to lose trust. But when I do what I say I'm going to do, you can trust me. We've all been in situations where obviously we haven't done what we said we were going to do. We, that, we're human. 
but we want to build upon it. Trust is based on truth. I read this just yesterday, too. Author John Bloom, who works with Desiring God, John, John Piper's organization, this, this is really good. This, this is really good. He said this. He defines a faithful and trusted teammate as, quote, individual who displays an overall consistency between his words and his works, between what he professes to believe and how he behaves, and between what he promises and what he performs. Man, that's really good. Alliterated and everything. Believe and behave. Word and works. Promises and performs. I mean, that is really, really that person who has consistency between his word and his works, between his belief and his behavior, between his promises and what he performs. Man, that's, that's really good. So, I'm going to finish up here. Who's on your team? Who's on my team? Who wants to be on your team? You know why they want to be on your team? It's because they trust you. Because they've seen you as a faithful person. Your words and your works match up. Your belief and your behavior match up. Like ticket gifts, are you a person, am I a person that trusts someone people want to send their important needs to others through? If they know I'd get through, I'm sending tickets to you. And he's going to tell you what's going on, and he's going to encourage your hearts when he does that. I don't know. Here we go. You are stand. <laughs> yeah, I got him back. I got him back. You are stand. Now listen. Like Paul said, tick. I send you, beloved brothers and sisters, faithful ministers, purposeful encouragers, fellow servants, and trusted teammates, to your places of ministry, 